Hello, and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. My name is Michael, and we're here today for a special The Review episode. And this week, I have coming back my favorite co-host and yours, the Caleb G. Caleb, say hello to everybody. Hey, everybody. How we doing out there? So uh, one of the things that we do here, if, if you are new listening, maybe this episode specifically has brought you here, um, is we kind of have an open policy as far as reviewing. We'll review about anything. If you know, people reach out and say, hey, I have a game I want you to review, uh, I kind of throw it out to the faculty and say, is anybody interested in this particular game? And that's how a lot of our stuff happens. And that's what happened this week. Uh, we got contacted by Game Machinery, which uh, put out, I think, multiple products, but in particular, an RPG called Defiant. And so that's what we're going to take a look at today. Caleb is the one that did the review. I'm just here to ask some questions. So I guess I'll start with you, Caleb. What is Defiant? Okay, so Defiant is an urban fantasy game with a focus on, as best I can describe it, political drama and intrigue. Okay, okay. It's it's very much the classic supernatural urban fantasy where the the characters you play have special powers. You know, they 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 are descended from angels or demons or mythical monsters, and they are living in a hidden society within the confines of the modern world. Okay. The kicker is that the apocalypse is happening right now. Okay. And mid apocalypse. Mid apocalypse. And also, no one knows it because of magic. Uh huh. Okay. So magic isn't fixing it, it's just hiding it. Yes. So the the characters that players portray have used to be part of the apocalypse. Okay. So they were pro apocalypse and now they're. Now they are defying their orders see where the name comes from defiant i got okay and they have decided to live their own lives so they set up camp in a, a city and by following the rules of this magic they cloak or hide their city from the apocalypse but they have to follow these very very strict rules otherwise the magic breaks down Okay. And the regular folks living in this city, the non-supernatural, the mortals, they don't notice the apocalypse is happening because of this overall magic that's occurring. The book calls it uh, the carnival. Okay. This, this magic spell that's happening, the, the world is cloaked with this carnival spell. And when apocalyptic stuff happens, they're like, oh, there was an environmental disaster oh there was a terrorist strike oh there was a war something terrible occurred so no one knows the apocalypse is happening okay it's a very interesting game it's a very unique game i like it a lot it's not a game i'm probably going to play myself with my group but it's a really good game if if this is exactly what you want to play okay um so again i know you wrote a review so anyone listening to this there's a written review on the site that's also published today uh i wish more people would read the site because i think we have some really good things up there we just don't have a lot of it so we don't have a large following there but we like to do these audio versions whenever we can 
So I've read over the written review that you uh, that you wrote, and then you mentioned here that this was a successfully Kickstartered game mm-hmm. uh, last year, very successful it appears. And there's a whole bunch of like supplements and other like periphery sort of things that were created. Did you get a chance to look at any of those also? Yeah. So the book itself, there's two different versions of the book. There is a print version of the book where it's laid out like a regular book, but the uh, the publishers also created a screen friendly version if you have it on your tablet or your phone. So the page count is about twice as long, but it's optimized for viewing on a single screen. So you don't have to zoom in and zoom out of that two page spread, Okay, so, okay. which is really nice, really, really nice feature. Really appreciate that. There are also a couple uh, supplements to the book right now, some specific settings, some specific extra pieces of information. I did not read through all of those. I just read through the core book. What's interesting, though, some of these resources that come with the book are all about how you generate both characters and the world. Everything is done kind of by random card draw. Okay. So characters in Defiant are not a typical role-playing game where you have attributes and stats and skills and special abilities. You're kind of defined by your origin, where you come from, where you descended from demons, angels, mythical gods, ancient dragons, something along those lines. Okay. And then you get to find your role. And these are very much like archetypes. Like, are you the warrior? Are you... um the 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 knowledge the 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 what the wise person the oracle are you the person who seduces everybody around you that kind of thing and then there's a couple other things in there that help define your character but defiant puts these all on cards and then there's very detailed instructions for when you're starting a game you draw these cards and make selections and then the cards have things that are very much like uh, attributes or descriptive phrases. Think kind of like a fate makeup okay, or just like describe concepts. concepts. Okay. They give you things like questions that you can ask in a scene. But they're very high level concepts or questions like, how can I gain an advantage in this scene? Or what is going to attack us later on. But the book also defines that as this isn't just fighting. Maybe that attack, quote unquote, is someone from a different court entering the scene and challenging your confidence or challenging your power level in the scene. Um, This is very much about hierarchy and courts. So, when we're defining characters in Defiant, what you are doing is not only saying who your character is, but your role in the court. And there is an incredibly strict hierarchy structure of top-down, who's in charge, who is authority, who's responsible for what, who reports to whom. This is not a game about exploring and fighting the apocalypse. This is a game about social intrigue about uh, maintaining your camp, keeping your power structure. I want this role. I have this secret goal. So I need to manipulate. 
I need to undermine. I need to outmaneuver somebody. I need to build a new building so I can build a new business because that will kind of expand my power. And then I have a power play to negotiate with someone who has a different power source or different home base. This, and I do not mean any offense in any way when I say this, this is a CW show. Gotcha. And, and I mean that in every positive way possible. We're fans. Yeah. We're but... all fans of the CW show. This is urban fantasy soap opera. I'm going to brood at you until I get my way. And then I might pout for a little bit. And then a, a super attractive social influencer comes in and tracks me at the party. And I've got to figure out how I can literally or figuratively get in bed with them this is a game about social dynamic through and through. So I so, kind of went off on a tangent there, but okay. when you're creating a character, you're also creating the world. Okay. There is an example city in the book, and I highly recommend, if this is the first time you're picking this game up, reading through it and reading through all these cards, supplements, and resources in detail, because this is not a typical tabletop game. Uh, when you create your characters, you create the city you in, you are in because in the narrative flow of the game, because the magic of this city is holding out the apocalypse, you're pretty much isolated in your city. You're not reaching out to, oh, I'm in Cleveland. I'm going to call my buddy in San Francisco. No, you're in Cleveland. You don't leave Cleveland. <laughs> you're stuck in Cleveland. I'm sorry. I, I was like that for many years. I, oh, I get yeah. that. We've all been stuck in Cleveland. Yes. So the confines of your little pocket, your domain, as the game calls it, that's it. And it's not like it's your house that you live in. It's a, it's a big city. You, mm -hmm. you live in Cleveland and you operate in Cleveland, but it's magic Cleveland. And if you break the rules, the apocalypse comes to Cleveland. Gotcha. So the way you've been describing it, I'll, again, I, I have never actually played Vampire the Masquerade. But this sounds a lot like what I think Vampire the Masquerade is like. I have also never played Vampire the Masquerade. And there are, from my knowledge of Vampire the Masquerade and the cultural zeitgeist, I believe there are a lot of similarities. But I feel like this is an incredibly different focus. This is more modern. And, and I don't mean that any sort of a slight or like this is a deprivation. No. It was just like trying to like, you know, comparatively like what I think this game would be like yes. D, D doesn't seem to be a good comparison. That's the no. other one that I went to. It also feels very much like a LARP. Um, and like, I know we're going to get to the mechanics in a little bit. The mechanics are fairly simple. And yeah. I think that also leans into the LARP where I, th I feel like the, 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 the persuasiveness of the character or the player themselves is going to hold a lot of weight in this. Mm -hmm. um, I, again, I don't know the mechanics nearly. I just read the review that you wrote, but I, and that's not a bad thing either, but I feel like this is the type of game that if you really enjoy that heavy in, you know, role play aspect, LARP like aspect, then this is that sort of a version, but maybe a little bit more gamified than like an actual LARP is because I've ever, never actually LARPed either. I, I feel like you're correct. Not being a LARPer, not being someone who, is in that Vampire the Masquerade or any of its derivatives court or camp, it does feel like a streamlined, a little bit more gamified, a little bit more modern version. Defiant flat out tells you the structure of this game is a television show. Mm. It wants you to think of this like a season 
and each session is part of an episode and you build stories over the season and resolve the plot threads as they arrive. I like that. And this is very much a supernatural social influencer. If you look at the art in this book, this is all people that look decked out to the nines, modern style, slick as all get out. These are good looking people with supernatural powers doing very selfish, I'm sorry, things. But it's, it's very much that I'm, I have to fulfill my responsibility, but also pursue my own goals to expand my own power, who's on my side, who's not on my side, who's with me. The, the players are all very high level in their courts. They're not peons. Mm-hmm. They are, these are people with power and responsibility. The game tells us you're not dealing with things like paying the rent. Your, the, your struggles are not, oh, do I have enough money to do what I need to do this week or this month? It is, I want to expand my power and control in the music industry so that more people are following me, but so-and-so is opposing me. How do I maneuver around them? And I'm going to go to this fancy party and we're going to do social jibes and dancing back and forth at each other and try to gain this new follower or sign a new contract with somebody. It's that level of social dynamic and interaction. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so you touched on the artwork. I do want to, I want to talk about that a little bit more because uh, again, from your review, pretty much all of the art is from either like public resources or some online, but paid for resources. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't look like any of this was commissioned specifically for the book, but you point out that they really curated that and found art that sort of fits a the theme and it all looks like it was done cohesively and adds to sort of the flavor of the book in, in viewing it. So anything yeah. that you would elaborate on that? Well, from my understanding, exactly like you said, the art was all sourced from stock images, free or paid for. But everything in the book is very much in theme with the book. So the characters all are wielding weapons or have wings or horns or scales or other supernatural elements. So my belief is that they found these images of people posing in certain ways in those stock images and then layered over some of these other effects. Oh, okay. Um, I may be totally wrong. Uh, if, if I am totally wrong, there's a a real big niche of art out there that I'm not aware of because this is like custom made for this book pretty much. But everything in the book is very on brand, on theme. Everything has kind of a yellow and purple hue, very ethereal, very supernatural, not spooky, but very distinct and different from the real world, which I think lends to the theme of the book and what it's trying to do. So um, some of the tangent here. So the the game, basically you are existing in a magical bubble reality. Um, Is there any part of the game that exists in the real world? Or is that like, if you get to there, you've messed up either in character or not. Uh, If you go outside your bubble, it gets real bad. Okay. Because two reasons. One, the apocalypse is happening outside there. And if you are outside the bubble of protection, you're going to get, 
apocalypsed. The the bad guys are going to get you. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Uh, The the second reason though is the book points out if you wander out of the safe zone, you start to lose your memories. Oh. And you start to forget who you were now that you have recreated re been reborn in this domain as a new agent as a free agent um nothing in the book that i have read gives us any rules instructions gameplay guidance for if that would happen okay now if this was a cw show that would absolutely happen oh absolutely at some point right and we would be smash cutting to you know dirk darkly with, with his amnesia wandering around the apocalyptical wasteland with his shirt off and what he'd be doing. Oh, um, and at some point he would be in the hospital and his love would be there saying, he'll remember me. And right. then, yeah. Right. Um, I think that would be really cool. <laughs> like exploring what would happen outside the domain, but at least in the core book, the focus is all inside domain, inside these court politics. All right. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the mechanics. So we have people in a scene. They're, they're not necessarily fighting each other with like axes and stuff. It could be they're fighting with social influence or mm-hmm. charisma or charm, but there still is a, a mechanical way to determine who's winning or who won. So mm-hmm. what do you want to talk? What do you want to tell me in the audience about how the mechanics work? I actually really like these mechanics. Okay. I always struggle in how to kind of manage social intrigue and that social parrying and social combat. Uh, D20 games just don't feel right with those types of skill roles to me. It's always a little bit off. So I very much like how Defiant sets this up. The only dice you ever roll are three dice. They start at 3D6. And you are rolling rolling for a number of successes, and a success is five or higher. That's it. And then the book tells us if you have no successes up to however many successes you get, kind of how to interpret what those successes mean for the players to figure out how the scene concludes. The book very much embraces that fail forward. Even if you get zero successes or one success, how the scene continues, how challenging the scene develops, that kind of thing. You can change those dice, though, with what's called potential. Okay. And a character's potential is based on a lot of different things. So some of the traits you get from your supernatural origin or the role that you have for yourself based on the cards you drew. They can give you one potential, two potential, three potential, just stacks up. Um, very much like fate, you can also gain potential based on your situation. So if your opponent is drunk or uh, in the outs with the social crowd, he's unpopular, his or their disadvantage may be your advantage that can give you more potential. Uh, maybe you have a coworker or a partner or someone you're in a relationship with in the crowd and they're helping you. That could give you potential. You also can lose potential if you 
have some sort of affliction, like maybe you are drunk or you're not as popular as you thought you were, or you have a broken leg or negative qualities can lower your potential. Any positives of your opponent can lower your potential. So this is not an opposed role. I'm not rolling my potential versus your potential. It's always uh, my, the potentials are always like plussing and minusing for the scene. So if you were playing and I was running the game and you were trying to do some sort of social maneuver against an NPC, we would find all your positive potential. We would subtract any negative potential based on what's happening in the scene. And then you use that potential to increase your dice. So one potential changes a die from a D6 to a D8. Okay. So you always have three. You always have three. And you always upgrade the smallest die first. Okay. So you would upgrade a D6 to a D8, the -hmm. next D6 to a D8, the third D6 to a D8. That would be three potential. Right. If you still had more potential, you could upgrade the first D8 to a D10 and so on. Gotcha. And does it go to 12 and then 20 or? Nope. It just stops at a D10. Okay. So we're only using D6s, D8s, and D10s. Okay. The the target for a success of a five does not change. Okay. So no matter what you're rolling, you need a five or better. So if you get all the way up to D10s, it's basically a more than a 50-50 shot. Um, There's also some other resources in the game that you can use to purchase extra dice. And there's some additional powers and abilities that can manipulate your dice in other ways, but that's the core of it. So usually you're rolling three dice. So you're going to get somewhere between zero and three successes. And then the game has guidelines for no successes. This is how terrible the scene goes or Uh how, how poorly your strategy enacts itself or three successes could be you're dominating the scene. Here's how you get everything you want. Um, But again, very much in that vein of that CW soap opera, they want to make sure you're not just sweeping the scene and doing everything you want. There's always a twist. There's always something unexpected that's focused on the dramatic. Gotcha. So one thing that from reading a review that I really, it struck me, I thought was very interesting was how the flaws work in that if I have a particular flaw that makes me vulnerable to what you're doing, when you roll your dice, you get that potential from me. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm, there's probably other games that do this, but that's the first I've really seen that where the way a flaw works is it gives my opponent a bonus to their role in a sort of way. Because I think about Savage World, it's a game I'm probably going to start a campaign soon. So I've been thinking about that. I know there's a lot of character flaws you can take as you build your characters, but generally they're also, they're still in the control of the player and how those are interpreted, or maybe the GM might bring them up like in social situations. But I really like the idea of, because I have this flaw every time it gets used against me, the other person at the table or the other player kind of gets to choose and they get, I don't know, I, I mean, I'm making sense, but I like the way that interacts with the mechanics that I get to choose to use your flaw against you. I very much like that as well. And I think the reason it works so well in Defiant is that this is not really about opposed roles and opposed direct combat. In a game, in pretty much any other game, um, 
any other system, even if I'm playing against an NPC, they're probably rolling their own dice. The GM is rolling his or her their own dice for what the NPC is doing. In Defiant, the NPCs are a lot more passive okay. in that they are part of the scene that I as the player can make use of as I need and their existence and their decisions impact what I am doing. So that is why their negatives may become my positive. Mm -hmm. The, The GM in Defiant doesn't roll for NPCs. They're just part of the scene. Okay. Only the players are really picking up dice to say, I'm doing this in a scene. I'm giving this speech during a board meeting. And because I have the advantage and that guy has a disadvantage, here's how that speech continues and concludes. And okay, great. I can do my corporate takeover. Mm -hmm. Now there are select times where there are direct challenges. Combat is not non-existent in this game. There are duels. There, There are flat out fights and the same mechanics, the same rules apply, but that's where the GM may pick up some dice or two players might be duking it out with each other. So that is a question that I did have that I wasn't exactly clear from the review. So let's say we're going to run this game. You're the mm-hmm. DM. Me and three other players are sitting down. Are we all three going to be part of like the same household and we're kind of working together against the GM and their NPCs? Or are we all four going to be different houses working against each other? Or is it going to be two and two? Or is it up to the group? Because I wasn't it's, exactly sure how that would work. It's really up to the group. Defiant lets you play this with one player if you want. There's rules in there for just a one-player game, how you want to strategize and and organize this. It's very much like a writing prompt at that point. You're writing out how the season goes in the television show. Right. If we have multiple players, that is very much what the session zero is figuring out. Defiant puts a huge emphasis on that session zero. Um, They call it the first meeting. Okay. And this is pretty much a full session, a full session zero to create your characters, create the world. This is a very in-depth, detailed process. We love fleshing out NPCs in the world when we're doing a session zero or in a, a typical D&D fantasy game or whatever we're doing, but it's 100% crucial in Defiant. If you do not define Jimmy lives over here and he does this and this is his role and Sally lives over here and she does that. You're screwed. You Mm -hmm. have to know this map of characters and, and how they're related and what roles they have and what their responsibilities are, because that's part of the structure of how the domain functions. If the hierarchy breaks down, the magic fails and then the apocalypse comes in. Okay. So you, we could all be, in the same, all the players could be in the same house, the same hierarchy, just have different roles within the hierarchy. Um, or there could be agents from other houses, for lack of a better term, very political, very Game of Thrones kind of intrigue mm-hmm. at this point. Okay. And, you know, we you touched on the whole thing about this being a CWTV show, but just to make it very clear that like adult relations is kind of not, I mean, obviously you can do whatever you want, but the, the game and the art sort of invoke a very, if not hyper-sexualized, a certainly yes. sexualized type of gameplay. 
yes, none of the art is explicit, but there is, there's a lot of very suggestive art. As I wrote in the review, nothing that wouldn't be you know, safe for work on Instagram or a magazine, but this is not a kid's book. And mature relationships, adult relationships are a core component of the characters in Defiant. One of the cards you draw is your marital partner, your marital Mm. status. And if we think about that political hierarchy of a court, the dynamic there is who is married to whom, who is single and an eligible partner for someone else. Is there a marriage of politics versus a marriage of love and relationship? There's a very strict hierarchy for I am the ruler and I do this, but my spouse is secondary to me and they are in control when I am not, or they are not allowed to do this, or they are allowed to do this. That whole structure is there. And uh, to the credit of the, the book and the writers and the producers, this is very much a any kind of relationship is possible and permissive and welcomed. This is a very inclusive book for any type of identification, sexual identity. However you present yourself, you can be found in this book and play characters like that as well. Fantastic. The, ga- the game tells you from the very beginning, establish your lines and veils, trust each other at the table. Great communication is crucial. With all of that in mind, I don't think this is a con game unless you're at a very specific type of convention. Mm-hmm. I would not run this game for strangers. I don't think there's enough time to understand the intricate nature of the game. I personally wouldn't trust a bunch of strangers with this type of mature theme and who knows how that could go south. Oh yeah. I feel like this is a game you have to play with people you trust and you are very safe with and comfortable with. Yeah. I think you mentioned it in the review that this is a very specific type of game Mm -hmm. for a group of players who are looking for a very specific type of experience. But if that is your group and your thing you're after, this does a very good job of providing that for you. Exactly right. I've never read a book like this. I've never seen a, a system or a, a setting like this. So if this is exactly the story you want to experience, this is the perfect book for it. Fantastic. In insofar as the books that I have read and games right. that I have played. Fair, fair enough. And again, in this review, we, we didn't actually play the game. We read through the rules and that, that it could be a different experience. Uh, I did want to touch on that you mentioned in the Kickstarter, there was a stretch goal they hit for, I think, like an online resource management tool, but that's not done yet? Yes. As of the time of writing this review and recording this audio, that is not yet finished. But according to the Kickstarter, that will be part of the completed rewards. And uh, from what I have read, it will not only be just a, a character tracker and resource for all the rules and the dice rolls and that kind of thing, but also a a nice way to manage the city and the hierarchy and all the relationships. In my mind, I've kind of view it as like a a flow chart or a mental map where you can kind of say, here I am and here's my lines of relationship and responsibility to this. And you're drawing lines all over the place and, and uh, drawing out different characters and NPCs and things like that. Right. All right. Very, very cool. Um, so this uh, this game is on Drive Through RPG currently. 
we are an affiliate, so there will be a link in the show notes if you want to go pick up a copy of that or anything on DriveThru. If you click our link first, we get a small you know, percentage of what you spend. So we would certainly appreciate that. Um, so we used to do our reviews. We'd break down like art separately, layout separately. We've kind of got away from that because it doesn't make sense every every book. So we just basically give everything a final grade. But if you want to give any specific shout outs, positive or negatives about things like the layout of the material, the artwork, or any of that kind of good stuff, but then give us an overall grading from C minus to A plus, where would this fall for you? So I'm going to give this a solid B. Okay. Um, like we said, this is a very unique game. If we were comparing this to other CW drama games, it might have a higher ranking okay. among those. Uh, but in the in if I'm comparing this game to all other games out there, I'm giving it a B simply because it is so niche. It is so specific in its direction and its intent. This is not a game that you can just pick up and throw down on a whim. You need a lot of prep. Everyone in the table has to want to play this game. Mm -hmm. um, it's not really a one-shot. Like you could just do a one-shot pretty fairly easily, but it, I don't think it would be as satisfying. This game is about how the story develops in the long haul. Sure. Uh, a one a one episode special is not as satisfying as a six episode arc, a twelve episode season. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm giving it a B. I think the mechanics are very successful in what they do. I think the art is wonderful for this book. It helps really bring the world to life and brings us, the reader, into the tone of the game, the style of the game. The layout of the book is pretty standard. Nothing unique or special there, but it is very well organized. Um, the book talks about the rules and the mechanics, but doesn't give them to us until we understand more about makes this game unique. Normally, as a mechanics guy, I want to see those mechanics early on. But in this case, I really like not knowing the mechanics until I understand more about what the game wants to do. I think it helps the mechanics make sense. I really like how the book is organized and written, but like I said, it's not like a groundbreaking layout or anything gotcha. compared to but other We do books. have this, the screen-friendly version, which is a great plus. Absolutely, yeah. So that is something good that they did there. So yeah, I'm giving this a solid B simply because of how unique and niche it is. But like we've said several times, if this is the experience you and your table want, I have never read a game that would do it better. Fantastic. All right. Well, Caleb, as always, I really appreciate you taking the time to do an in-depth review. It's what, you know, writing one as well, spending time with me on here. Obviously, I want to express thanks to uh, Game Machinery for sending us a copy of the, the materials for us to review. Uh, just a reminder, again, there are links in the show notes to the DriveThru RPG website. If you want to buy anything over there, it helps support us. Uh, so before we go, any final words from you on this? Or just, again, I know you have other things. If you want to plug some of your other stuff, feel free. Yeah, yeah. I think this is a great game. If this is what you want to play, this is the best one for it. Uh, you can find me on the socials at the Caleb G. You can hear me over on the Chaos Inc. show on Identico every other Tuesday. That's uh, twitch.tv slash Identico. Um, you can see some of my charitable work over on 0.5pass.org. And I'm going to be swinging down to a catacomb this year for Friday and Saturday. 
Yeah, hey, of course, the Catacon can't get through an episode without mentioning that. It goes, it's like three weeks away at this point or something yeah. wild. Uh, November 4th, 5th, and 6th in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, it's The event list is up. People are registering things. We have tons of games left that could be filled with you as a player. We just need more people to show up and play games. But uh, yeah, it's, it's exciting. And then, of course, you can find me at the RPG Academy. Uh, and if you're into Smallville, speaking of CW, I do a Farm to Fable podcast. It's a Smallville rewatch podcast. I'm currently recording our season five coverage. It should start coming out right after a catacon. And I have several new co-hosts that are joining me this season, but we have some of the old favorites coming back, including the Caleb G himself. So uh, if that's something you're interested in, please check it out at Farm to Fable. And with that, we will sign off by saying, as we always do, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thanks. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize, but there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.